This is Listen Again with the Bridge, your opportunity to hear Sunday's message. We hope you enjoy listening, and it all starts right now. All right, how many of you have ever been with a friend and this friend likes to be really, like, think they're smart, so they use big words in the conversation and just try to outsmart you with their big words. Anybody ever been with, oh, yeah, yeah, you're raising your hand, okay. So I'm not crazy. Well, I'm gonna help you out this morning. As we get started, I'm gonna teach you some new words. Due to technology always changing and our culture always changing, there are new words that are added to the dictionary all the time. So I'm gonna teach you some new words that you can use this week on those smart friends you have. And as we do this, we're gonna play a little game as well. I wanna just mention the word and I want you to see if you can tell what it means based on the word. The first one is this, phonesia. It's in the dictionary, phonesia. It's a mixture of phone and amnesia. Can you guess at all what that might mean? When I was looking at it, I thought, phonesia, is that like, you know, you're always leaving your phone somewhere and forgetting it, you know, you know I, I don't know. But I looked at it and the definition is actually the act of dialing someone's phone number and forgetting who you were calling right when they answer the phone. This ever happened? Yeah. They answer and you're like, uh, who is this? You called me, buddy. You know what I'm talking about. That's phonesia. Actual word for that now. So the next time that happens, you can use that. Anybody ever heard this word? Blame storming. Not brainstorming. Blame storming. The definition is sitting in a group and discussing who's responsible for the company's problems rather than trying to solve them. I mean, this happened at work all the time. You guys know? Blame storming. Intoxication. Not intoxication, intoxication. This is another word, intoxication. It's the euphoria from getting a tax refund, which lasts, you're all excited until you realize it was your money to begin with. That's intoxication, look it up. It's in the dictionary. It's interesting, my challenge to you now is take those words and see if you can fit them into a conversation this week and just see how people respond. But what in the world does this have to do with today? Well, I wanna talk about something uh, of us sharing our story. And you're like, well, what does that have to do with it? Well, there are words we use in church all the time. These words we hear so much that they almost become mundane or to the point where we really, they don't even grab our attention anymore. Two of those words that I think of are grace and saved. We hear them so much that it's like, yeah, we're saved by grace. We've heard it before. We've heard it a million times. It's all you ever talk about in church. There's so much scripture to back up this very thing. But the truth is, these two words are very crucial to how you came to Christ. Without grace, we would not be saved. We just sang about it just a moment ago. God so loved. Yet they have all this, um, they, every, every time you tell your story, can I tell you that it's going to have to do with the fact that grace was involved and that's what allowed you to be saved. Ephesians chapter two, verses four and five, it says this. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you have been what? Saved. Saved. 
It's by grace that you've been saved. Don't get to the point where you've heard this so much that it's just, yeah, I'm saved by grace, I get it. No, this is part of your story. Paul goes on in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, and he says, it is by grace you've been saved through faith. Paul used the word grace over 100 times in the New Testament. As he was writing letters to the churches he had started, he's trying to explain to them and understand what it means to have grace in order to be saved. And it's important that we know and understand those words, but more important than that, not just that we know and understand them, but that we're willing to share these words with other people. And you can do that by sharing your story. So that's what we're gonna talk about. If you think about when Jesus invited the disciples to follow him, what did he say in Matthew 6, 24? He said, whoever wants to be my disciple must no longer live for themselves. They must deny themselves, take up the cross, and follow me. That's kind of the opposite of everything we hear today. In our culture, we live in a very self-centered, self-focused culture. And this mindset can help us change to where we're gonna deny what we want. We want what Christ wants. As a follower of Christ, we want to make disciples, right? And a way to do that is by sharing your story. Let's take a look at the first disciples. And we'll understand that this is not easy. I'll be honest with you, I'm a pastor, I still will tell you this is not easy. There's, there's these men that traveled with Jesus for three years. He's teaching and training them. He's helping them understand all about why he came. And in the midst of training them in these three years, he says, now don't forget, the whole reason we're doing this is because one day I'm going to give my life. And they're thinking, no way, no, you can't do that. He says, I'm gonna die, and on the third day, God is gonna raise me from the dead. He helped them to understand this. However, they're not as beneficial as we are in that we understand it. We're years later. We can read it and understand the whole story. They didn't have the full context. And so we see Jesus go to the cross, die, raise again, right? But when we get to the Sunday evening, after Jesus has just risen from the dead, are the disciples out preaching and proclaiming that Jesus is coming back? No. No, you would think they would be preaching boldly. He said he was gonna do this, he said he was gonna die, but he's coming back, get ready, he's gonna be here any moment. No, in John chapter 20, verse 19, it says on the evening of the first day of the week, which would be Sunday evening, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. The very people who had traveled with Jesus, who you would think would be proclaiming, he's coming back, he told us he would, are behind locked doors. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Jesus told them he was coming back. He prepared them for this, yet they're cowering in fear behind locked doors. Why is it that it's so hard for us to be bold in expressing how we feel about Christ? Why is it so hard? Why is there this fear? That's really what it comes down to. It's the main reason we don't, is we're afraid that we don't know enough, that we're gonna start into a conversation about Christ, someone's gonna ask a question and we'll be like, I don't know and we're afraid to get into that conversation, so we kind of avoid it altogether. 
If you get down to the root of it, it comes down to fear. And I gotta tell you, as a pastor, I understand. I mean, just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I wake up every day and the Bible hovers around me and there's this halo and people go, tell me about this Jesus. It doesn't work that way. It's hard. I remember at a church we served at before, one of our staff members got this idea that we should have a soul from every street coming to our church. I thought it was a great idea. But then he said, let's go out and walk the streets and let's knock on people's doors and let's just invite them and see if we can pray with them. And I mean, that's a bold move. I believe it can work and we've seen it work in the past. So I'm out there walking around with them. However, I'm not totally confident in that. I'm just being honest with you. And he would say, pray before you get up to every door. And when I was praying, before I went up to every door, I was kind of praying, Lord, help them not to be home so that I don't get involved in this conversation. You know what I'm talking about. I want to show you in one verse, one event, one moment that made all the difference for these disciples who were not being bold, who were actually being selfish, cowering in fear, Yet one moment happened. We just read it in verse 19. On that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. And suddenly, Jesus came and stood among them and he said, peace be with you. He was who he said he was. He did exactly what he said he was going to do. And all of a sudden, they went from being timid, being afraid, being self-centered, to being bold, courageous, evangelistic, all in one experience. One moment. Peter, the biggest coward of them all, who promised he wouldn't deny Jesus, yet you find him doing it three times before Christ dies. He's now preaching in front of all these people and he's saying, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. So these religious leaders don't like it. They arrest the disciples, put them in prison and the disciples are still preaching. Even as they're being put in prison, it didn't affect them. And this high priest, this Annas or Anus, however you want to say that, sounds kind of gross. That's his name, A-N-N-A-S. I don't know how to tell you. If you were a fourth grade boy, you'd be laughing at that name. I understand. But there it is. So this high priest, he says, you healed this guy. By what power and in what name did you do this? And here's Peter, the guy who was hiding, the guy who denied Jesus three times, he says this. Acts chapter four, verses eight through 10. He says, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you wanna know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man you crucified by whom God raised from the dead. What we learn from this moment is because they had been in the presence of Jesus, everything changed. If you want to find some boldness, being willing to share what God has done in your life, can I tell you, you need to be in the presence of Jesus and it will change everything. You will find the boldness you need. You will find what you need, the words to say after you've been in the presence of Jesus. It made all the difference for them and it will make all the difference for you. So do me a favor, real quick. Let's all just close our eyes right where we're at. Can you think back to when you accepted Christ? Think about that moment for just a second. 
Was it in a service sitting just like this? Was it one-on-one in a conversation with someone? Was it driving in your car and all of a sudden you just felt impressed to do that? Think about it for just a moment. That is your story. That in itself is enough to lead someone else to Jesus. You can open your eyes. You understand, no matter who you are in this room, no matter how you came to Christ, you have a story. You have a story to tell. There's gonna be some things you need in order to tell that story, and that's what I wanna encourage you with today. So we're gonna talk about some things. Number one, you're gonna have to be bold. It's hard sometimes to wanna do that. Again, selfishly, we wanna just go, man, I don't know if I'm gonna do this right, so I'm just gonna back out. I'm not gonna do it. We have to be bold, be smart, be ready, and be sincere. I'm gonna say those again. We need to be bold, be smart, be ready, and be sincere. If you have the back of your bulletin, you can follow along. The scriptures are there. I'm gonna have a lot of scripture today, I'll be honest with you, because there's a lot of scripture that backs up what we're talking about. So let's say these together, these four points. We need to be bold, be smart, be ready, be sincere. One more time, be bold, be smart, be ready, be sincere. Because Peter had experienced the resurrection of Christ, this consumed him. He couldn't get his mind off of it. He couldn't talk about anything else. Have you ever noticed that you're passionate, you become passionate about the things that you truly believe in? Say that again, some of you aren't hearing me. You become passionate about the things you truly believe in. All I gotta say is Top Gun. That's all I've heard about for weeks. Have you seen Top Gun? You gotta go see Top Gun. They used the same jet they used in the first one. His motorcycle, the music, all these things. Have you seen it? Man, you gotta wear these shoes. These things are like walking on air. Whenever you find something, a restaurant, a Netflix series, man, I took three days off just to binge watch this series. You gotta check it out. Whatever you believe in, you become very passionate about and you're willing to share, am I right? You're, you understand. Do you remember being passionate about Christ? Do you remember being willing to share that story? If we're not speaking boldly about our faith, my question is, do we even believe in it? Should it not be something that's one of the first things we wanna talk about? Again, I'm not encouraging you to go around and be super Christian that's just freaking everybody out because you're just like trying to shove it down their throat. You understand, that's what we're gonna talk about today by being bold but also being smart, being ready and being sincere. But if you see, Peter says this. He says, let me tell you about this powerful name of Jesus. Acts chapter four, verses 12 and 13. He can't help but share and he says, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see they were ordinary men, no special training in scripture. Church, you don't have to know every scripture in the Bible to be able to share your story. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. That's where it all began, is because they had been with Jesus. They were amazed at their boldness. So here's a question for those of us in the room who follow Christ, we consider ourselves Christians. Are others amazed at your boldness, at your love for God? Do they even see it? 
Again, it doesn't mean you go around preaching to everybody. You don't have to take your lunch break and try to do communion with your sandwich with all the people in the lunch break room, okay? We're not talking about going crazy here, but there's a way to do this. God will make the way if you're willing to share. So Acts 4.13, it says they were amazed by the disciples' boldness, but I love this line. They could see they were ordinary men with no special training. Another scripture, uh, another version says unschooled ordinary men. You know what the Greek word is for unschooled, what we're talking about here? The Greek word that, uh, for unschooled is idiotus. Now, can you guess what English word would we get from idiotus? <laughs> if you've ever felt like an idiot, you're a perfect candidate for God to use to share your story. So what is it really saying? They were more amazed, understand, by the boldness of these disciples than the fact that they were idiots. They were more amazed at their boldness and what they were willing to share about Christ. So some of us, here's the reality, we're gonna have to be really bold. None of you got that joke. Okay, I'll let you figure it out on Thursday, whenever it hits you. What is it it's really saying here is, again, we have to be bold, we have to be smart. You have to be smart. You can say, well, how do I know when to share my faith? Can I tell you when you shouldn't? If you've just taken time to cuss someone out at work, please don't turn around and say, hey, you wanna go to the bridge? We love God there. (laughs) If you're taking time to do one of those rants on social media about whatever the hot topic of the month is, can I tell you, don't turn around and then post something about God following that. Church, they don't wanna hear from you when you're not living it out. If you're not truly loving Jesus day to day, everything that you say, everything that you do, they're not gonna wanna hear what you have to say. You have to be smart. Ephesians 4.1, Paul said, as prisoners for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. You need to understand, every person in this room has a story If you've came to Christ, then you have a story, which means you have been called. So he's urging us to live a life worthy of the calling that we've received. Be completely humble and gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort, this is the opposite of our culture right here. Listen to this, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. You don't see much unity and peace going on in our culture today, in our country. I heard something on the radio, country music radio, I think it was Luke Combs said something this week. He said, we don't even agree to disagree anymore. We can't seem to find common ground anywhere and everybody is just at each other. So make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. The point here is not just be smart in how you present the gospel, it's being smart in how you live your life so you can present the gospel. Can you say amen to that? Second Timothy 1.9, God saved us and called us. Now that doesn't mean he, he saved us and then called us to go be a missionary in Africa. God may call you to do that. That's not what Paul is saying. Paul is saying he saved us and called us to live a holy life. 
That holy life means set apart. That means being different. That means that you're driven by the things that other people are not driven by. We're called by Jesus, infused with the Holy Spirit, just as Shay talked about in his video, in order to share our story. 1 John 3, 16 and 18. It says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions, sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Here it is, dear children, let us not love with words and speech or speech. No, we're not just talking about this. It's through our actions and in truth that we're truly gonna be able to share our story. Gotta be bold, gotta be smart, but you also gotta be ready. You gotta be ready when the time comes. If you're living the life, people are going to come to you at some point and they're gonna ask you, what is it you have? Why is it you're different? And you have to be ready to share in that moment. And you can say again the question, how do I know when? That is actually easier than you think because the Holy Spirit will guide you. It's what he does. The problem is when we sense the Holy Spirit leading us and we kind of get in that moment and we're like, man, this is my opportunity, many times we shy away from that because we're not ready. What if I don't say it right? What if I say the wrong thing? What if I lead them the other way? Whatever it may be, it's the, the fear. You gotta be ready. First Peter 3.15, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. We gotta be ready. If you're living for Christ, you will be asked this question at some point. Are you ready? Romans 10, 13 through 15 says this. Everyone who calls on the name, on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's encouraging. It didn't just say some people who call on the name. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? You have a story to tell. God has called and equipped you in order to tell your story. And there's a lot of simple ways to share the gospel. The main reason we're talking about this is because of the story that each and every one of us have of how we came to Christ. But there are other ways. If you're more of a check the dots and you know, give me a program and I'll walk them through it that way. If you want that, there's plenty of that out there. Romans Road is a great example of what you can use to walk someone through that. If you don't know what the Romans Road is, uh, we don't have that on there, so I will give them to you very quickly. I don't have a lot of time to read each one, but if you have a pen and paper, let me give you this. It's a simple method of how you can lead someone to Christ. The Romans Road is Romans 3.23. You can Google this if you want. Romans 6.23, Romans 5.8, Romans 10.9 and 10, and Romans 5.1. Those five scriptures in Romans can lead someone through Christ. You can grab a pen and a piece of paper and you can say, we were here, God was here, there was a divide between us. We were separated from God, Christ died and you can make yourself a little cross and when he died, he bridged the gap between us and God. It can be as simple as you wanna make it. Just begin by telling your story. 
Because no one can argue with your story. They can argue with science. They can argue with theology, but they cannot argue with your story. It's what God did in you, and no one can take that from you. You may not have a horrible past to share of, oh, I was in prison, or I you know, was on drugs and alcohol. I can't say that, but I still remember the day I accepted Jesus into my life. And it's important that I'm willing to share that. Be bold, be smart, be ready, be sincere. Sharing your story from a heart that simply knows God releases his presence. Sharing your story from a heart that simply knows God, they're gonna see it in your face, they're gonna feel it in the moment. That's how good God works. And love calls people to salvation. And love compels us to tell others. 2 Corinthians 5.14 and verse 20 put together, I combined them for you. Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that no one, excuse me, that one died for all and therefore all died. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. When God's love fills your heart and when you have experienced the love of God to the point of that grace that we all receive so that we can be saved, that can't help but come out of us. And when it does, we will find ourselves loving others. We have the answer the world needs. And it all begins by spending time in the presence of Jesus. And when you've spent time in the presence of Jesus, the boldness will begin to show up. You'll have the boldness. You will find that you have the wisdom to know what to say, how to say it. You will be ready to share your story and you'll share it with the love that you've already received. Will you bow your heads with me? Paul told us in the beginning Ephesians chapter two, it is by grace that you have been saved. Before I jump too far ahead, I wanna take one moment to just say this. If you're in this room and you have never accepted Jesus into your heart, you've never experienced the love of God and understanding how that grace truly does forgive you, I wanna tell you that Jesus was willing to die on a cross, sacrificed his life so that you could be saved. No matter how many things you've done in your past, grace is sufficient for you. So if you're in this place today and you would say, Chad, I just want to accept Jesus into my heart. I need to begin there before I can share any kind of story. I've got to have a story. I've got to be willing to accept Jesus and surrender my life to him right now. If that's you in the room, I just want to give you this opportunity. Maybe you're watching online. If you want, just take this moment and just say a prayer in your heart. And if you're in this room, I'm just going to ask that you lift your hand. Anybody in here? Okay. Anyone else? All right. I'm 
for these that raise their hand, well, could we just all pray this prayer together? You can just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son to die on a cross for me. Thank you that the grace that I receive is enough that I can be forgiven. My sins are washed away and I am made new today. I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. It's that simple. It's that simple. Someone has a story to tell now because of a simple prayer, accepting Jesus and surrendering our heart and our life to him. And we all have that story. My question is, do people know that you even serve God? Do they know of your boldness? Do they know of your love for Christ? Are you willing to share that story? Remember the excitement and the passion that happened. I see it all over Shay's face when he came and talked to me. He couldn't help but want to talk about it. I remember that. And each one of us have experienced that. But unfortunately, over time, you know what happens? We forget. We get busy and we just move on. And it's just another part of our life. Father, help us to be willing to share our story.